Matthew chapter 2 <clears throat> this morning, if you would. And no, this is not a rerun. <clears throat> Several Wednesdays ago, we took the opportunity to <clears throat> teach you on what we learned from the wise men. I'm always a little reluctant to um, preach a message that goes with a holiday. I, I just, uh, I really try to, <clears throat> to study the Bible and, and uh, to try to seek the Lord's will. And, uh, and so, you know, it doesn't always mean that you preach a message just because it's Christmas or you don't necessarily preach a New Year's message just because it's New Year's. <clears throat> but I did want to preach a message around the Christmas holiday. And so <clears throat> I began to study the Christmas story and it never fails that when I begin to study the Christmas story, it's like, it's like a waterfall turns on and God begins to just give me so much. And, uh, and so I've got several, several messages that God's laid on my heart that I'd like to bring you, but it may seem a little odd, you know, uh, teaching on Christmas, uh, Christmas in, fe- in February. And, <clears throat> but we're just going to follow the Lord. And what I'm going to give you this morning is just too good. It's too good not to give you. And we, uh, we talked about what we learned from the wise men, as I said, just a few Wednesdays ago. And I thought I was done with that, and we were going to go on. But the Lord gave me a thought here in Matthew chapter number 2 that has to do with these wise men. And so I want to go, if it's all right, uh, I want to go a step further with that today. And I believe by the time I get done, I believe you'll be glad that I did. And I, I think that regardless of whether it's Christmas or not, we can always learn something from the Christmas story, regardless. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're, as preachers, maybe we're wrong for preaching uh, on the Christmas passage just around Christmas time. Maybe you want to preach on Christmas in July, you know. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to go a little further with this subject today. So Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you'll stand with us, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, and we're going to read through Verse number 14 today, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. I'm sorry. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. 
And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. You may be seated, and just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about this subject, what we learn from the wise men. If I had a subtitle today, it would be this, a display of God's provision, a display of God's provision. And so let us go to the Lord in prayer today, and then we'll jump right into this, uh, what I think is an amazing Bible study today. Let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you for your blessings and for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, I pray now that you would come and meet with us in a great way. I pray all that's done would uh, honor the Savior, and and, uh, Lord, I pray it would glorify him. I believe it's going to do that, but Lord, I pray that you will help us to to be able to convey to the audience uh, and the congregation, Lord, what you've laid upon my heart in the private privacy of the study. And so, Lord, would you meet with us now? Would you speak to hearts? And uh, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that throughout the course of this study this morning, that, Lord, we'll, we'll learn just how great and wonderful our God really is. And so, Lord, we, we pray for your touch, not only spiritually, but God, I pray that you touch us physically this morning. Lord, it seems like I don't get choked up until I get up behind the pulpit, and then all of a sudden, I, Lord, it seems like I, I get all messed up. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd touch us and help us, and that we do know there's a spiritual warfare that's, that's present, and that Satan does not want the truth of the Word of God to go out. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help that to happen right now. Thank you for your blessings, and direct our thoughts We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Brother Ricky. I appreciate the extra water there. Let me review just for a moment, if I could. Now, what do we learn from the wise men? How many know that we have a perfect Bible today? And God didn't didn't just put stuff in here to provide filler. God doesn't need to provide filler. In fact, our Bible tells us that if the Holy Spirit were to put all the things in here that Jesus did that the books of the earth could not contain all those things. And so this is what we read this morning in Matthew chapter two. It's not filling. I'm gonna be honest with you, church. I don't believe it's just something that we ought to read and study during the Christmas holiday. I believe there, there are life-changing truths here that you can preach all, all year long. And so we said this, number one, from the wise men, we learn, first of all, the influential power of a witness. Now, there's a chance that there's some here this morning that we're here in that Wednesday service. And we said this, that we said those magi or those wise men who came to Bethlehem to worship the Savior, someone says, Pastor, where'd they come from? What are these, these men who came from Babylon or Persia or way east? What, what are these men doing coming to worship the Christ child. And we believe this. We believe that probably there was at least some kind of connection there to Daniel, Daniel the prophet. And that Daniel, when Daniel was brought as a slave to Babylon, that Daniel's witness had such an impact upon the Magi and these wise men 
that they sort of shifted their study from astrology and uh, and uh, magic and uh, Eastern religions. They shifted their study to biblical prophecy. And so it's believed, at least, that even all these years later, when these Magi traveled to Bethlehem to worship the Christ child, that probably, at least in some way, this was tied way back to Daniel, who had such a love for God and was such a believer that his witness had influential power upon these Magi. And so because of that, we see the influential power of a witness. And then we said, number two, we see the importance of dedication. Now, these wise men did not allow the length and the difficulty of the trip to discourage them from the task. And I love this point. I really believe that the Lord was really using this point on that Wednesday night. These wise men were determined to come to the house of the Lord. Uh, they could have worshiped from afar. They could have stayed where they were. And, and, uh, and how many believe this? How many believe that they could have been a believer where they were just as much as they were a believer in Bethlehem. Well, that is just true. They believed the prophecy of that star. If they wouldn't have believed it, they never would have traveled all that distance. They believed before they ever left home. And so those men could have stayed there and said, you know what, there's no way we're gonna make that, that you know, long journey and spend all those days and time and money and effort and energy. Well, we can worship the Lord here just as good as we can worship the Lord there, but that is not what they said at all. They were determined to come to Bethlehem. And my dear friend, you read your Bible for yourself. They were determined to come to the house. They wanted to find the house where the Lord was uh, and dedicated to come to the house of the Lord. How, how many know that we ought to be, and you are, by the way, you are. I appreciate you and I applaud you being here today and being faithful. And I know that others would be as well today. Some of our key, key folks that hardly ever, ever, ever miss a service are out today. And uh, these old bodies, they get sick and they wear out. And that's just a, that's a part of life. Uh, and it's January in North Carolina and so uh, I know there's a lot of talk about COVID. I'm not exactly sure whatever happened to the flu. But anyway, uh, that's another message altogether. We'll preach that at another time. And so we see here the influential power of a witness, and we see here the importance of dedication. But church, I'm going to tell you something. As I was reading this the other day, God spoke to my heart in such an amazing way and I want to share another point with you today, if I could. Not only do we see these, but number three, I believe this. I believe that in Matthew chapter 2, we see, beyond any shadow of a doubt, we see the incredible display of God's provision. Now, I don't know why I've never seen this before. Uh, have you ever done that? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're reading through the Scripture and you thought, where did I miss that? How did I, how have I read this story so many times and I never really, never really saw it in that fashion? And by the way, that's, that's why every time you go to this book, it's always fresh bread every time. And I'm reading the story and the Spirit of God speaking to my heart and I'm thinking, man, Lord, I don't think I've ever shared that. I don't think I've ever learned that truth. And so it is without a shadow of a doubt, Calvary, that the story of the wise men is God's provision. And if I could go a step further than that, not only God's provision, but God's generosity on amazing display. Now, not only through the Christ child, 
although that's, that's sort of a gimme. Uh, we see God's amazing generosity by sending his son. But I believe we see some other things here today, and I want to show those to you if I could. Now, let me, let me preface the message just a little bit. I believe there's little doubt that the, that the parents of Christ were very poor economically. Jesus Christ was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'll have you know I came up on the rough side. I'll have you know he did too. Uh, he was not born into wealth. Uh, a king put off his royal garments for a time to come and to be born in a stable with the stench of the animals. And so we notice here that Jesus was born into the lives of, very, of a very simple, simple couple. Here's a young couple that's no doubt just getting started. Some scholars believe that Mary was probably just a teenager. And we're not exactly sure how old Joseph was, but probably Mary was a teenager. And customarily, and not only customarily, but culturally, culturally, wives hardly ever worked outside the home. And so these, these two, Joseph and Mary, are very poor. They don't have a whole lot of money to put together. Now, not only that, but we see this truth taught in Luke chapter 2. Now, you don't have to turn over there because we're going we're gonna to really focus on Matthew chapter 2. But let me read, if I could, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. The Bible says, and this is the same story just in Luke's gospel. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, Mary, uh, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him, Jesus, to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, let me tell you what the, what, what the Bible's teaching us there. Actually, Later in your devotions, if you go back to Leviticus chapter 12, under the Mosaic law, the law said this, whenever a child is born, I want the parents to come and I want them to present an offering for that child. And preferably, the offering that I want them to present is a lamb. You find that in Leviticus chapter 12. I want them to present a lamb, but this is what's so beautiful about the Lord. The Bible also said this under the Mosaic law, if they are not able to bring a lamb, then I'm gonna let them bring a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. In other words, if they can't afford, maybe they are so poverty stricken that they can't afford a lamb. They don't have a flock. They don't have a herd. And so the law said this, if they can't afford that, then we'll let them just bring two turtle doves and they can present that as an offering for their child. That's exactly what we find happening in Luke chapter two. Joseph and Mary didn't bring a lamb. They didn't have a lamb to bring. You know what they did? They brought the only thing they had. The only thing they could afford were two turtle doves. And so I believe we see a beautiful thing here, a beautiful thing. A big part of the Christmas story is God proving himself to Joseph and Mary. You see, here's two young people that have stepped out in faith to do the Lord's will. They really had. I mean, you, listen, and we don't worship Mary and we don't worship Joseph. But I'm gonna tell you something, church, you got to hand it to these two. Yeah. 
They're pretty amazing people. They're a pretty amazing young couple. And they've totally yielded their lives to the Lord. And by the way, it has, it has rocked their world. It has changed their world. And yet they've yielded to the Lord in faith. And I believe this in Matthew chapter two. I believe that we see God proving to them that when you obey me in faith, I am able to meet your needs. We're gonna see that today. Let me give you a few thoughts this morning. How about this? Number one, we see God's provision was more than enough. Why have I never seen this? Look, if you will, Matthew chapter two, Verse number one, the Bible says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, by the way, that's a tough time to be living. Behold, the Bible says, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now this is the Magi that we were talking about a while ago. Skip down in your Bibles to verse number 11. Don't miss this, Calvary. And when they were coming to the house, talking about the wise men, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their, what's the word? Treasures. Now, if you like to mark your Bible up, I want you to underline that or, or circle that or highlight it or something. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him, the Lord, gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I was studying that out this week, and I looked up that word treasures. I love to do word studies, and, and I, I looked up that word treasures, and I was amazed at what I found. The word treasures in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11 is the Greek word thesaurus. Hmm. It seems to me we have a word like that. Thesaurus. Now, someone says, Pastor, what is a thesaurus? Well, you know what a thesaurus is. I use a thesaurus almost every single day of my, uh, or every week of my life. It's an inexhaustible supply of synonyms for different types of words. And so, in other words, if I'm really studying out a word, I'll, I'll look up a word in the dictionary, and then I'll turn right around and I'll go to a thesaurus, and in that thesaurus, it just gives word after word after word after word after word that is synonymous with that word I just looked up in the dictionary. You say, Pastor, I'm not following you. Hang on. Hang on tight. Don't lose me. The word treasures there also is the idea of a treasury or a storehouse. When the Bible says they came and opened their treasures, it is the idea of a casket or a coffin. How many of you have ever seen a pirate movie or something like that? And they bury their treasure on a desert island. And then they come back later and they dig it up. And they have it in a coffin-like uh, box, in a casket-like box. And when they open the lid on that box, it's full of all those treasures. That's exactly what the Bible is telling us here. The Bible tells us that their thesaurus of gifts, the, the, the wise men brought a thesaurus, an, an endless supply of gifts, and that these gifts consisted of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You say, Pastor, big deal? You better know it's a big deal. Yes, Let me give you something I found this week about these gifts. It, I just thought this was interesting. Egyptians of all classes 
burned frankincense in their homes and temples. Frankincense was chewed to fight bad breath, to soothe sore gums, skin infections, and it was also used to dress wounds. Today, frankincense is considered to have an antiseptic, antifungal, and anti-inflammatory properties. It's also used in relieving the discomfort of lung infections and asthma. Maybe we need to pass some around right now. Myrrh is similar to frankincense and often interchangeable in early remedies. Myrrh is harvested primarily from a scraggly, thorny tree, which belongs to the same family as the tree which gives frankincense. Frankincense is a pale and sweet uh, frankincense is pale and sweet, which probably explains why frankincense was more popular than myrrh. Hang with me now. However, myrrh did become quite a status symbol, and its price was five times higher than frankincense. Just a drop of myrrh oil put into a cheap perfume would double its price. Myrrh was used by Egyptians to embalm royal mummies. Myrrh was prescribed for a much wider range of ills than frankincense. It was mixed with mother's milk to cure diaper rash. Arab men drank vinegar and myrrh to cure baldness. <laughs> All right, fellas. I'm just trying to help us this morning. You notice I said help us. Amen. Now, church, stay with me here. These gifts which the three men carried were truly fit for a king. Equivalent to today's prices, a pound of frankincense was worth $500 a pound. The value of gold was valued at $600 a pound, and a pound of myrrh, y'all ready? A pound of myrrh was valued at $4,000 a pound. Now, there's no way necessarily for us to figure out that kind of equivalency back in this day and time, but I did do this. I went back and I found, I found a, a, a calculator, and, and what they call an equivalent, equivalency calculator, and get this, $500 in 1888 was our equivalent to over 14000 $4,000 in 1888 would have been the equivalency to $112,000. 1888. This was a long, long time before 1888. Now, you say, Pastor, what's the point you're trying to make? And the point I'm trying to leave with you, leave with you is this, that this was more wealth than Joseph and Mary had ever seen in their entire life. I don't know who their families were. I'm not sure necessarily. I mean, we have their genealogy, but, but the Bible doesn't really give us a lot of background behind Mary's family, Joseph's family. I don't know if they had money. I don't know if they had wealth. I'm not sure, but I do know this. I am, I am quite sure this morning that when God sent this wealth their way, it was more money, it was more riches, it was more provision than they had ever seen in their entire life. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this was enough and more than enough to meet their needs. And you know what? I thought about, I thought about Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. 
When Malachi the prophet stood up on the scene and he said this, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And he said, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You say, pastor, if I obeyed God, I'd starve. Listen, if you obey God and have faith, he is able to open the windows of heaven and he's able to give you more than you've ever had. Man. What a thought. God's provision was more than enough. But let me show you something else. Not only that, but number two, I noticed this. God's provision prepared them for Egypt. Now, think, think with me, church. Joseph and Mary have got a lot going on in their life. So, number one, they're dealing with what seems to be a scandal. It wasn't a scandal. This was a supernatural, this wasn't a scandalous thing. This was a supernatural thing. And, and God had revealed it to Mary and God had revealed it to Joseph. But we're not sure that God really revealed it to anybody else. I don't know where Mary's mother stood on this. I know this, she knew how to do math. And she thought, you guys are a spouse. Technically, we've not even celebrated the marriage yet. Now, back in that day and time, espousal was, would be as strong as our marriage is today. But then they would have a celebration. And it was, and, and, and the, the, the Jewish people, when they were married, it was huge. It was a huge celebration. It lasted days and days. They had not even made it to the celebration yet. And here comes Mary. She's pregnant. I, I know this. She went away for a while. She went to Aunt Elizabeth's house. And uh, she's gone for a little while. And, uh, and so we're not exactly sure what's going on. We know that they're dealing with this, what seems to be a scandalous situation. Not only that, but they're having to make this long, hard trip to Bethlehem. And on top of that, they're having to pay high taxes to the Roman government. And then, you know, you take all that into account. There's not even room for them to stay in an inn. And Mary is, man, she's very pregnant. And so evidently, the innkeeper says, we don't have any rooms, but you're welcome to go out here in the stable. And by the way, this stable was not like some of the barns that you folks have. Some of you folks have barns that are nicer than some homes. This was probably more like a cave. It was probably just a hole, if you will, in, 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 a, in a hill or something. And here... Mary is giving birth to Jesus in a stable. And on top of all of that, now the Lord comes and says, Joseph, I want you to take the family to Egypt. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, look at that. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so on top of everything else that's going on now, God has come to Joseph and said, I want you to make a, at least a 40-mile trip with a very young wife who has just given birth not too, too long ago and a very small child. Now, begin to think about this thing of going to Egypt. And, and, and sometimes, and I'm, I'm the same way, sometimes we read over Scripture, read it so fast, we just... We don't even, we see the bones, we don't get the meat. You, you got to think about, think about it with me. 
So, Lord, you want us to go to Egypt. You know what that means, church? That means probably there's not one soul there to help them. Different people, different land, different culture, different government. Did you know there's a possibility that Joseph was unable to work in Egypt? Did you know that some of our missionaries, we sent across to these foreign fields and we think, and we think well, it's not a big deal that we provide for them. If uh, they're a little short, they can just go work. They're not allowed to work. Some of our missionaries are not allowed to work in other countries. And so there's a possibility that Joseph is not allowed to work. It's little doubt that, that they had any family there. And on top of that, they're going to need a place to stay. And they're going to need money for the trip. And they'll need money to survive. And they're going to need money to get set up. Uh, but, but we notice here that through the wise men, God has already taken care of all these things that we just mentioned. And I want to tell you something, church. I believe this. I believe that God's provision was directly connected to Joseph's obedience. Hey, man, hey, verse 13, God came to Joseph, said, Joseph, I want you to take Mary and the child. I want you to go to Egypt. What is it? Two verses later, verse 14, verse 14, when he arose. He took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. We don't find any place where Joseph wrestled with the Lord or fussed with God or said, God, I don't understand this, and we don't have any family down there, and what are we going to do, and who, uh, who's going to take care of us? Joseph obeyed the Lord. And Calvary, I just said that to say this, if you and I will be obedient to God, he is able to meet our every need. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And I, I couldn't help but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 8 where the Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you uh, that ye always having all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. I'm glad that I can come to this church on the first Sunday of 2022 and someone says, preacher, what are we going to do with COVID and all that's going on? I don't know, but I do know this. God is able. He is able to meet the needs of this church, and he has met the needs of this church, and he's able to meet your needs this morning if you'll just be obedient to him. Old stories, you've heard them. Man, my wife and I were just two young whippersnappers. 800 miles away from home in Bible college, didn't have hardly two nickels to rub together, working a full-time job, taking a full load of classes. First time in our life, I guess, we had ever rented. We're renting an apartment at the Pine Island Apartments there in, uh, in Indiana, right outside of Chicago, Illinois, and, and just, it's taking everything. Miss Tammy's not working. Our kids are Small Zach's just Zach's in a car seat when we went up to uh, to Indiana, and, and later on Samuel was born, and so they're just little, and so uh, we're away from family. We don't have mom, dad up there. We don't have siblings, and so she's not working a job. She's taking care of the house and taking care of the kids, and I'm the only one that's really bringing in income, and we're just doing our best to make ends meet and pay the bills and pay college bills and serving the ministry. And I'm working at overnight transportation in Bedford Park, Illinois. We flew over just the other day. We were looking out the window. I was trying to find overnight. We flew into Midway Airport. 
and I'm working at overnight transportation. We take the 294 Expressway every single day. We take it up there. We take it back. There's two toll booths on the 294. Two going up, two coming back. 40 cent. It was a, a, a quarter, a dime, and a nickel. We had, it, we had been through it so many times that if you knew just how to do it, you could plan it just right where you could cast your uh, coins in the basket. If you did it just at the right time, the, the gate would go up just in time for you to just never even break momentum. And we were coming one night, Dave Wilkie and I were coming home from work. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I and Dave was asleep in the car, and we were coming up to the toll booth. We had already started hitting the rumble strips. And I and I'd, I'd fumbled around, and I got to a quarter and a dime and a nickel out of the, the console, and I was getting ready to, to throw it in. And when I did, I sort of um, um, fumbled, and I dropped a nickel down in between the seat and the console. We're hitting the rumble, saying, brr, brr, brr. I said, Dave, Dave. He sort of wakes up out of a stupor. I said, Dave. He said, hey, what? I said, we're at the toll booth. I said, I dropped a nickel between the seat and the console. Reach down in there, see if you can find that nickel. Dave Wilkie, half asleep, reaches down in between the console, the seat, and, and, and all of a sudden he pulls out a $50 bill. And that is better than pulling a rabbit out of the hat, I promise you. He woke up. <laughs> I woke up. He pulled, I, I remember he pulled it out and he, he just, he sort of held it there. And, and we were like, what is that? Man, I, I was so excited. Hey, you don't understand. 50 bucks to a college student. That's like a million, isn't it, Brother Horn? I mean, that's a lot of money. I couldn't wait to get home and tell Miss Tammy. She's probably going to be asleep, but I was going to wake her up anyway and just tell her, honey, you're not going to believe this is what happened. And I told her that story, and we just rejoiced. Man, we rejoiced in the goodness of the Lord. That was probably about Wednesday. Several days passed, Saturday morning. We went to our Saturday morning bus meeting and prayer meeting, and we would go and have a time of prayer. And then after that, we would have our what we call our division meeting, and, and we would sing together and have preaching. And, uh, and we got done with our division meeting. We're getting ready to head up to the, to the bus route, and I told Miss Tammy, I said, honey, I said, let's do this. I said, let's just stop over here at the car wash. And, and I said, I need to vacuum the car out, and we'll wash the car before we go to the bus route. And so we uh, pulled into the car wash. I opened both doors up. I went around. I put some change into the, the, into the vacuum, uh, vacuum uh, cleaner and uh, began to unroll the hose. And, and I remember to this day, I, I remember going around to the driver's side and getting ready to start vacuuming, and, and, uh, and I can I can even remember getting down on one knee as I was getting ready to vacuum. And before I stuck the hose underneath there, I said, Lord, what you did the other night, man, that was great. $50, man, that was great. I said, Lord, it sure would be nice <laughs> if I looked under this seat and there was another $50 bill laying there. You say, I preach, I don't believe this story. Well, I'm sorry for you. You weren't there, and I was. And I'll never forget, the hose was already activated. It was doing its thing, and I looked underneath the seat, and I'm just telling you what happened, church. 
There was another $50 bill laying right there underneath that seat, just as clear as crystal. Man, we rejoiced. Praise God in that car wash. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, if you'll be obedient to God, God will meet your needs. God can take care of you. God can meet the needs of this church. If we just do what God has told us to do. Listen, and this is so different. And this week, I've been trying to encourage Brother Zach a little bit. By the way, pray for Brother Zach. He's supposed to preach at Ufola tonight, and he left sick. And I'm praying he gets to feeling better so he can preach tonight. And this week, I've been trying to encourage him a little bit. Brand new church, church plant. Just, you know, incredibly, almost unbelievably expensive to live in California. And they're just having a time trying to just make ends meet. And I told him, I said, son, longevity. Longevity. You have to stay with it. You have to stay with it. And you know, sometimes people come on a campus like this and they see this beautiful place that God's blessed us with and he has, had not he, church? But I'm going to tell you something, it ain't always been like this. And man, when I first came to Calvary, and we didn't have but about 15 people uh, here then and, and uh, Miss Ann's sick today, but she could, Miss Ann could tell you we, we didn't have a lot. We had probably, we probably had $600 coming in a week, probably. And so Miss Ann would call and she'd say, preacher, and we never paid bills late. But she'd say, preacher, I'm going to pay this bill this week, and I'm gonna, we, we don't quite have to pay this one yet. I'm going to lay this one back to next week, and we'll probably have enough, and I'll pay this in next week. And I'll say, that sounds great, Miss Ann. Let's do that. That's how we did it. We just, took, you know, we just paid it as we could. Never paid late, but we, we paid it as we could. And I'll never forget. Man, we're just doing our best, you know, try to obey the Lord and invite folks to come and win souls and preach the gospel and my phone rang one day. Doug Addis. Some of you know Doug over here at Farm Supply. Doug was a deacon over here at Grassy Knob Church. And, and he called and said, Preacher, he said, we're having a meeting over at Grassy Knob. He said, we need you to come. And he said, I don't know if you know this or not, but he said, your, your church is one of four. And he said, there's a gentleman in our community. He's passed away. And he said, he made your church, one of, one of the four, he made your church a benefactor of his estate. I went to the to this meeting and and they hashed all the, all all the you know all of it out. A little bit later, we're living in a little parsonage right down here beside the church, and Doug Addis walks into my living room and hands me a check for Calvary Baptist Church for over twenty one thousand dollars. Now you see, that's not a lot of money. It may not be a lot of money to you, but it was a million for us. And man, when he handed me that check, and man, we just praise God and praise God. You know why? Because it was the miracle. Is anybody else getting encouraged this morning other than me? I'm telling you, God is lighting my fire this morning. And God was saying this, hey, you just keep preaching the gospel. Just keep loving people. Just keep doing what you know you're to be doing. And God said, I promise you that I'm able to meet your needs. And by the way, ever, ever since that, we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And so God's provision was more than enough. God's provision prepared them for Egypt. But church, wait a minute, hold on to your hat. We're done, but not quite. But I saw something I've never seen before. How about this? Number three, God's provision came from the east. We mean, preacher. Okay, look at Matthew chapter 2 now. Don't miss this one. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
In the days of Herod the king, I'm about to shout, we ain't even got there yet, amen. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, what's it say? From the east to Jerusalem. Now I brought this out to you the other night. There's a, a pretty general consensus that it most likely took the wise men at least a year to make the trip to Bethlehem. You're not shouting yet. You say, preacher, I haven't made the connection. I know. Hang on, hang on. Let me say that again. There's a pretty general consensus that it most likely took the wise men at least a year to make the trip to Bethlehem. You know what this means, church? That God's provision was on the way before Joseph and Mary even knew they had a need. Now, it wasn't long. They figured it out. We've got some pretty significant needs. And what they didn't know was there was an omniscient God that Brother Horn told about this morning that long before that time had already set into motion what he was going to do. And God said, I know that you're going to have some needs. I know that you're going to have some things that you're going to need to take care of and pay for. And so God said, hey, I've got some wise men. They live a long, long, long ways away. And I'm going to go ahead and get them on the road. And they're going to be coming your way. And God was meeting their need before they even knew they had a need. Wow, 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 wow. You know what? We would read a story like this, and this is what we would think. This is, and, and I'm with you. We would think Joseph and Mary's help is going to come from places we would figure it come from, from family. We don't have anything in Scripture that leads us to believe their family chipped in and helped. Or maybe that provision is going to come from friends. We don't have anything in Scripture that leads us to believe that that provision came from friends. Or from acquaintances. Get this now. This provision arrived from the most unlikely place. The most unlikely source. Hey, Calvary, if you'll be obedient to God, he'll meet your need. And at times, from the most unlikely places. I got too many stories to give you. So I'm in the office on a Tuesday night. My phone rings. Hello? Hello, is this Reverend Pope? I said, yes, it is. The Reverend Pope from Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove? Yes, ma'am. She said, Reverend Pope, she said, this is Mrs. Staley. And she said, I'm just calling to make sure to confirm that you received your letter in the mail. I said, I said, Miss Staley, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, no, ma'am, I haven't received any kind of letter. She said, oh, my. She began to apologize. She said, oh, my. Said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She said, you were uh, supposed to have received a, a letter, I think she said, several weeks ago. And I said, well, no, ma'am, we didn't receive a letter, but that's okay. I said, what's this concerning? She, and then she said this. She said, oh, I have the good favor of being able to tell you we have some money for you. 
Oh, preachers love those kind of calls, I'm telling you. It's not, it's usually the other way around. And she said, and then she said this, she said, I bet you're dying to know how much. And I said, matter of fact, I am. And she said, preacher, how about $63,721? I said, is this a joke? Is this, a, this one of our deacons trying to pull it, you know. And she said, I assure you, Brother Pope, this is not a joke. She said, if you'll have your treasure in one of your deacons meet us tonight, I'll meet you tonight. I said, Miss Day, that won't be necessary. But I said, we'll meet tomorrow. And she walked in this little church right down here where the Allen was there. Miss Ann was there. And Mrs. Staley, who I'd never met as far as I know, walked in and presented us a little personal check for almost $64,000. Why? I'll tell you why. Because there's a God. And God said, if you'll step out in faith and trust me, God said, I'll meet your needs. I found this little story. I love it. It says, shortly after... Dallas Seminary was founded in 1924 and almost folded. It came to the point of bankruptcy. All the creditors were ready to foreclose at 12 noon on a particular day. And that morning, the founders of the school met in the president's office to pray that God would provide. In that prayer meeting was Harry Ironside. And when it was his turn to pray, he said in his refreshingly candid way, Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are thine. Please sell some of them and send us the money. <laughs> Just about that time, a tall Texan in boots and open collar shirt strolled into the business office and said, Howdy to the secretary. I just sold two carloads of cattle over in Fort Worth, Texas. I've been trying to make a business still go through, but it just won't work. I feel God wants me to give this money to the seminary. I don't know if you need it or not, but here's the check, and he handed it over. The secretary took the check, and knowing something of the critical nature of the hour, went to the door of the prayer meeting and timidly tapped. Dr. Lewis Sperry Schaefer, the founder and president of the school, answered the door and took the check from her hand. When he looked at the amount, it was the exact sum of the debt. Then he recognized the name on the check as that of the cattleman. Turning to Dr. Ironside, he said, Harry, God sold the cattle. <laughs> Man, isn't this encouraging? And God said, you just obey me, and I'll take care of you. So forgive me for telling so many old stories today. We're down here in this old building. We're packed like a bunch of sardines in a sardine can. We've already got screens downstairs. Folks are having to meet downstairs, and, and uh, we're talking about putting some kind of screens out in the old modular buildings we had out there, and, and uh, we're trying to build down here, and we just can't get any kind of traction. It just seems like everything we do, just we can't get any traction, can't get any traction. And uh, we've been trying for months and months and months. Our building engineer said, preacher, he said, your problem is, he said, you're trying to build in a cereal bowl. And he said, before you ever build your building, he said, you're going to have to bring in 
loads and loads and loads of dirt. And he said, it's all going to have to be tamped and all that's going to have to be done before you can build a building. So my wife and I take off to California to, to uh, visit. I guess we're visiting the kids, I guess. We're going to the leadership conference. I remember that. And I'm, I'm seated at uh, Lancaster Baptist Church there in Lancaster, California, and Sunday morning, and my phone ding. I looked at my phone as one of our church members. They said, Pastor, did you know there's a for sale sign on the land across from our property? And I texted them back, and I said, no, I didn't know that, but thank you for letting me know. A few minutes later, I ding. Another church member. Would y'all leave us alone when we go away? And uh, I'm picking. Y'all know I'm picking. I'm glad you didn't. Another church member. Pastor, did you know there's a for sale sign on the property across from our church? By the way, at the time I'd been there about 26 years, there'd never been a for sale sign over here. They'd never done a whole lot with this land. Every once in a while they'd bail hay. Maybe, maybe there was a few times I saw some cattle on it, maybe. And I said, no, I didn't know, but I said, one of our church members told me, thank you for letting me know. That night, we're at Lancaster Baptist Church, and the realtor to this day, who I don't know how she even got my number, the realtor texted me. She said, Pastor, I just want to let you know the church across from your church is for sale, and then she put this on the end of it, but it won't stay that way long. And I texted her back, and I said, thank you very much. We're in California. We'll be back in just a few days. I said, just as soon as we get back, we'll address it. By the time we got back to North Carolina, someone had already been on the property. But you're sitting on it. You know why? There's a God. And God not only gave us this beautiful, beautiful seven acres, but God said, oh, by the way, I think I'll just give you this other seven acres as well to go with it. God is able. Well, that's a good word for us to start with, 2022. God's able. God's able. What's going to happen, preacher? COVID. I mean, here we are two years into this thing. We thought we'd be done with this by now. People are still talking about COVID. and What are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do, but I know this. God has a perfect plan and a perfect purpose. And if we'll walk by faith and live for Jesus, he'll meet our needs. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Father, thank you for this encouraging message. Father, would you forgive us for when we doubt? Would you forgive us for when we <clears throat> doubt that you'll take care of us? Father, would you increase our faith today? Maybe today you're dealing with someone who needs to take a step of faith and the enemy has been doing their best to try to <clears throat> keep them from stepping out. Today they would take that leap of faith realizing there is a God who is able to meet every single need. What a truth in Matthew chapter 2. What a display of God's provision. Father, help us to trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Father, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you. 
Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that I'm, on my, I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that today, preacher, I know that I am saved. Very quietly around the room, would you just slip your hand up? Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Can I ask a second question, though? Is there one here today, anywhere, would say, Brother Steve, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Pastor, would you remember me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to come back to you and try to get you down the aisle. I just want to pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, would you remember me? If I died, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me today? You'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Right now, just slip your hand up. Preacher, remember me. Remember me. Pray for me, Pastor. As far as I can tell, that means everybody under the sound of my voice professes to be born again. Hey, I just wonder this morning, and I... You know, in one way, I thought, Lord, why am I preaching this on the first Sunday of 2022? Maybe you're here this morning, and God has been calling you to do something or working in your heart to do something. God's been encouraging you to, to, to take a step of faith. But you thought, man, Lord, if I do this, what in the world? How... How's this going to work out? I mean, this doesn't even make any sense, what you're asking me to do. doesn't even make any sense. Oh, listen, friend. God's able. God's able to meet your need. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Many have made their way to the altar. If you need to come, the altars are open. I'm going to ask our personal workers that are here if they would just come to the front this morning. And if you're here this morning and you have a need, Hey, I'm going to ask you just to, I'm going to invite you to come. Just, just come. Oh, man, I'm so thankful for the lesson this morning. God's an omniscient God. There's nothing he doesn't know. And God is, along with that, God's able to meet your need. Father, I want to thank you for this message. Maybe it was me that needed this more than anybody else. And I don't know about anybody else, but I know one thing, Lord, during this service, you've been ministering in my heart. And for that, I'm personally thankful. God, may 2022 may be a year of faith for Calvary Baptist Church. Now, Lord, would you couple that with your great mercy? Sometimes we do fear and sometimes we do doubt, and I'm so sorry. Please couple it with your great mercy, but God help us to be people of faith, great faith, great faith. And God, I pray that in 2022, this church will not only not go back, but Heavenly Father, I pray that this church will storm the gates of hell. And God, may we not just be on the defensive, but God, I pray that in 2022, that we shall be on the offensive. God, help us today. Work in hearts. Help these that are in the altars this morning. And we thank you, Lord.
Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, if you're watching today by way of live stream, we're uh, tickled to death that you're with us today. Thank you for watching. And there's a number on the bottom portion of your screen, 704-327-5662. That number is just for you. It's a designated line just for you. And we have some people that are waiting by the phone right now who would like to take your call. If you're watching this broadcast and you don't know Christ as personal Lord and Savior, would you call us right now? We'd like to take the Bible and tell you how you can be saved, how you can know that you're going to heaven. If you're watching this broadcast and you say, Pastor, I didn't think I'd make it through 2021, and I definitely don't think I'll make it very much further in 2022, would you call us? We'd love to pray with you and believe God with you. We serve a mighty God. In fact, we serve an almighty God. And He's able to do what we can on. Would you call us? And we'd love to believe God with you today.